Let's 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 do it live. All right. Do we need to get a Bill O'Reilly sound clip? No, he got canceled. We are back with another episode of Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. I'm Daniel McFadden, and this time we are going to be talking about the first ever IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend on the same circuit at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Uh, and with me, as always, is my friend and podcasting co-host for life, uh, James Crow. Say hi, Crow. Hello, everyone. And with us for the ride this weekend is a friend of mine from a long time ago in a state far, far away from here called Indiana. Uh, John, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to butcher your last name. How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's easy. It's La Follette. It rhymes with wallet. Um, it's very French. In the motherland, it'd be pronounced La Foyer, but that sounds too pretty. And uh, we don't like pretty names here in America. So it's just La Follette. But yeah, thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. All right, so yeah, uh, I, I went to grad school at Indiana University at the same time that Mr. L- L- John did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we were students and friends. I had, had, not, had not seen him in person until this last weekend. At, uh, I had not seen him in, in person in seven years until this last weekend at uh, Indianapolis. And after the events that unfolded Sunday, in the, the cup series race, I needed to have a local boy who was in the stands to give his perspective on that. And while well, we could compare it to what I experienced in the media center and at the base of the pagoda to also what Crow experienced watching live on TV. How many, how many times have you gotten to watch live this year, Crow? Um, two. Two? That's <laughs> it? <laughs> Okay. Just so I know, what was the other live race you got to watch? Uh, Daytona. Thank okay, you. I was going to say Daytona. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, that's just a guess. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> well, I mean, like they—I remember they, they started Daytona like you know almost midnight because of the rain delay. So I mean, oh, oh that, well, that, no, no, they, they restarted. They restarted it at midnight. That, right, that's, er, right. That's early evening for me. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, but yeah, here we are. We had a surprise race winner in AJ Allmendinger. Uh, no one was, well, he, he's a road course ace, but with, you know, five laps to go in, in regulation, no one was going to peg AJ Helmendinger as winning that race. And then uh, chaos broke out. Uh, yeah. By the way, I was going to say best post race, like, I don't know, shout out session, whatever you call it of all time. What, what happened? Oh, uh, just all him, him throwing out everything. You know, everyone th- thank yous for everybody. Okay, I, I I did get to see his immediate post race interview because I was like standing behind the pit wall watching him, so I didn't hear anything he said on, on the French stretch. I will I will confirm Mr. Crow's assessment. Um, he was it was just he was throwing it like like any name that just randomly came to mind. Like at first it was like his like mom and dad and you know sponsors and team owners, but then I was just waiting for like random celebrities and like John Stamos want to thank you too, <laughs> David Coulier and the whole cast of. Of a full house, you know, just th- thanks for being there in my youth. Like, I, or even like Tom Cruise, Days of Thunder. Really appreciate you making that movie a big inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just it was it was nice to see because he was so enthusiastic. One because you know 
Indy means a lot to him because he's raced there in IndyCar and NASCAR. Yeah. Um, and also, like you just spoke to, you know, that was a legitimate surprise victory. The last, you know, hour of that race. So it took, it took those last three laps, took three hours to run, but those last few laps were um, really chaotic. And so for him to come out and be a surprise winner, you could just really see the genuine, um, yeah. genuine emotions that he felt. Yeah. Which, which is a complete reversal from 24 hours earlier. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he finished second in the Xfinity race and he was just beside himself, like pissed at himself, like, he said like before he left pit road he's like i i need to be better in the race car and congratulations you're better in the race car <laughs> like like when when you had those two cautions for a splitter stuck underneath the curb which was like this should have been this like red blinking light like um something something is going on and something worse might happen and then it did happen yeah. <laughs> so but when when that happened, when that first like melee happened or whatever you want to call it, he was 17th. And on the ensuing restarts, he worked his way up to like seventh. And then the second time he was third. So when we, we came to that final final restart, yeah, he was third behind Briscoe and, and Hamlin. And then Briscoe just goes off into nowhere <laughs> and comes back on onto the track. Um, I will say my opinion on this has done a complete 180. So please don't anyone, no one hold me accountable to anything I may have posted on Twitter um, because I, I actually was using NASCAR Twitter, you know, while watching the last three laps <laughs> that took an hour um, or as we call it, you know, that's uh, NFL time. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, so we, yeah, I, I, at first I was just like, I can't believe, you know, he did that. And then you're now going back and watching the incident. And it's like, oh, yeah, I totally understand why he did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, Ham like he ran out of room. Like, yeah. he like he could, like, it, it was either turn right into everyone else or go mow the lawn. Yeah. And he, he decided to mow the lawn. And I just watched his onboard camera replay just, just a couple hours ago. And initially, ap up until just today, I thought that when he came back on the track, he was either even with Hamlin or behind it, but no, from like, clearly you could see from his onboard camera, he was in front of Hamlin. It's like, Oh, okay. Bad. <laughs> so, so, like well, I thought, I don't know if it was intentional, but he did technically by a couple of inches, give the spot back to Hamlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. So like I, I spent the last three days going, they, they shouldn't have penalized him. Why? Why? I'd be like, oh, okay, okay, I get it now. <laughs> so, well, then there was all that to do about when whether or not Briscoe knew that he was being penalized, yeah. because then you know as soon as the race is over, obviously the Hamlin storming down pit road to go talk to Briscoe in front of him about it. Yeah. Like it's obvious to everyone that Briscoe was if he if he wasn't told that he was going to be penalized, like he, he should have known given the circumstances. Um, so, but I, I, do either of you have the answer to that question? Because I'm still not sure whether or not there's well, been any sort of audio that's come out that confirms so Briscoe's story that he that's, wasn't that, that's been the big the big uh like to do uh for uh, you know the last few days with and Denny Hamlin and NASCAR both been fanning the flames um so NASCAR on the on their YouTube channel released an, a video that suppose that there is they he's told he has a penalty before he dumps Hamlin they were but, wanting they, they, yeah he's told we they wanted us to sort of stop and go and turn 10. well it was but a pass through it was a pass through no that, that was after that was after oh. the, the st st stop and go and right after they say that the, the audio on the radio just goes <laughs> so you can't you can't hear 
a lot that's hap- that happens for like two turns and then then the spin happens so yeah. um it's, it's and also uh, so what, what I, and what i've seen is that like, i think i don't know if briscoe's actually said it but the someone somewhere within an official capacity said that he did not hear it that there's you know there's more than one channel and he could have missed that or i don't yeah, know enough how the radios work yeah, there's, there's a channel one and a channel two so i'm tr- I'm trying to find th- there it is okay i'm sending this to you john so you can okay but i mean either way he has to know he's being penalized right well he so, so from he his has pers- to know that so from his perspective he got forced off the road right okay and he came back on and then he let and by a couple of inches, he gave the spot. And so on a lot of tracks, loosely, loosely gave it back, yeah, loosely gave it back. <laughs> um, on a lot of tracks, that would be an acceptable thing to happen. This is a road course. And so who knows? Um, and, and also, and they're also, let's see, they're in, in, in the same, I think it was the same thing. You know, Bubba Wallace had the, um, yeah, he was forced off as well. And they penalized Bubba. Yeah, um, which, even, which, even, which, even though Bubba had the same argument that Chase was having, like, hey, I, I was pushed no. out, and it was either I take a shortcut or I just go over that bumper, and I'm, you know, going to like, a roller coaster ride. Uh, he, he, yeah, Bubba avoids that bump at the same time that McDowell's going launching off of it. Right. So, like, you, sh- you should not, in my opinion, be penalized for avoiding a clear danger. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, that's that should be something they look at. Like that, that should not be a penalty. Yeah, right. that that whole turn was a problem area, and so they, you know, they need to think about how all that's managed. But yeah, so so okay, so John, where were you sitting for the? Race? I was sitting uh, road course turn one, so I could see. Oh, okay. down the, I could see coming down the front stretch, the turn one, and I could see that turn six, seven area, that little chicane. I oh, could, could see that. Okay. Yeah, I could see. So, like when when Logano hit the tire barrier and all that chaos was going on, I saw all that. Like it was from a distance, but I could see that area of the track. So, okay. Um, so, so as as it's unfolding, like what what's your reaction, and how are the people like around you re- reacting to it? Well, here's the thing. So. You guys, you're in the media room and you're watching on TV. So you, you're getting a better sense of what the safety officials are doing and what track officials are doing to inspect that corner and clear that corner to make sure that's not a hazard anymore. I was not getting that information from the PA and the track. They were just you saying, were, okay. I, I basically in so many ways, um, it was Alan Bestwick and Jamie Little, who, by the way, two pros, so glad to hear Jamie Little be on the PA all week. That was great. Um, but you know, they would just say like, oh, it looks like they're inspecting the track or, oh, the welders are out there. They're doing such and such to the track. We weren't really like, we were not getting the same information that you guys were getting. So we didn't really know exactly what all was going on. And the fact that they were just looking at the curbs and seeing what was going on. And um, and in in some way I could, I could tell v- that. Vague fixing it. Like, right. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think we were getting any more information than you, what we could see on cameras. Like, they're not coming over like the PA system in the media center and giving us detailed. Yeah. Well, they weren't even happening. like showing, like they weren't even showing the cameras on, and the, on the PA, on the cameras and the, uh, the big screens on the track. They weren't even showing that the workers really working. Okay. They were just, they were just kind of showing like shots of little kids so they could, you know, be on the big screen and like, you know, get excited and stuff. Um, they were just really trying to find just entertaining ways to pass time because you know, I think both of those red flags amounted to what, like an hour or so. And so you're just sitting yeah. there, you're just sitting there with your thumb up your ass waiting for these last three laps to go. Um, and then what really sucked uh, that people forgotten about was between the red flags, there was that extended yellow flag period because James Davison's car dumped oil everywhere. Oh yeah. And for, and for whatever reason, they had to go back and uh, 
reclean all the all the dust and the oil slick that they yeah. put out like and that that just i think that was re- what pushed people to- over the edge for the second red flag because the second red flag people just started leaving in mass because it was yeah. just oh really I, I yeah. say, it, it it's an absolute shame that when you have multiple restarts after the second restart attempt that fails they just seem to start playing the benny hill music <laughs> like well, here, like, here's alternate thing, between like, that and the Jeopardy theme, right? Well, I mean, I saw like like reporters like Jeff Gluck of the Athletic was on Twitter, you know, just advocating for them to just call the race, just just oh, call that, it. That's stupid. That, I mean, that, I, I mean, I would disagree. I, I would disagree, but I mean, even in the even in the stands, I heard people say as much. They think that, like, like that they thought that corner was too dangerous. They didn't want to see another big wreck and have another red flag, and they just wanted to see the race just be called think, and have have. I think the, the driver. Winner. I think in the. I think after the fourth attempt at a restart, all the drivers should get out of the car and just run to the finish line. <laughs> From where though? Wherever they stop. <laughs> just wherever they're stopped, just get out and run. They don't need like... to stay on the track. So who would win that race? <laughs> who do we think is like like obviously like Ryan Newman's not winning that race? <laughs> who's um, winning who's winning that race? Who's the most who's the runner of the group? <laughs> like like Daniel Suarez is pretty fit. I follow him on Instagram. He's always posting videos of himself in the gym. Oh, De Benedetto. Well, just, just well, just because yeah, he's Jack doesn't like, mean he's a he, runner. He, yeah, he's Jack. Like Suarez is like fit. Um, isn't Chastain pretty fit? I don't know. He's a, he looks like a cross country guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Bubba is technically a Jordan brand athlete now. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But I anyway, he, I think like, he plays too much video, too many video games. Like, like it's a, like anyway from from the for the first big wreck, I was still in the media center, um, and it took a while for us to realize the scope of the wreck because like they have that one camera like positioned like half halfway down that stretch. And you're seeing like Byron spin and there's Kyle Bush and you see like a couple other guys, but it takes them a while to get like a shot or a replay looking back up the track and you seeing all these cars right. going right. every. So I'm sure, John, that you sitting where you saw, you saw everything all at once. Yeah. So, so and, it, and well, especially once those cars get in the grass, they kick up so much dirt that like I could, I could, I could, I could, I could see someone hit the barrier, but I couldn't see who it was because of all the smoke and then all the, all the grass, all the dirt flying everywhere. Um, and a lot of the drivers who came out of the uh, in, uh, infield care center, I should say, pretty much said as much because that was a restart situation. All the cars are clustered. You're really, I think it was, uh, I think it was Reddick or someone else um, who said as much. It's like, you know, when you're in those situations, you're really just, tr- it was Bowman, excuse me, it's Bowman. It's like, you know, in those situations, you're just trusting the guy in front of you. And you just, you know, your, your reaction time is next to nothing. And you just hope that there's nothing in front of the guy in front of you, yeah. because if there is something, you're not going to see it till it's too late. So yeah, and that, that, last, that restart after they pulled the curve up was just like, like full on lemmings. Just, just, just send it into the corner. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's the last yeah. lap. So we just well, got to go. Yeah. Well, like to, to your point, you're like Michael McDowell, one of the guys who fell victim to that curve and went launching said before the race, like you can't see what's in front of the person in front of you you're you're flying blind at that point mm-hmm. so it it and what do you know it and to be fair to... and there was a bit of an issue during that during that same section for the xfinity race although they corrected it for the cup it, race it was, yeah it was on yeah that was, that, that, that was the orange speed bumps that were yeah, the on, orange speed the, bump. on the other side of the... but like even then it's like 
at the time I remember when that happened, I was like, what the, what, what the hell, why is that there? Like that's it such was, a, that is such yeah. a narrow part of the track. And the, these cars are not like Indy cars. Like those cars can turn on a dime. These cup cars, Xfinity or cup cars, they're so heavy and they're so slow and yeah. it takes so much to get them through these corners. That's a narrow part of the track. Just let the grass be a natural boundary because yeah. there's a little bit of grass and then there's, then there's, That's, then there's the, the, the grass is the punishment. Yeah. So. Yeah. The grass is the punishment and there's a little bit of grass and then right after the grass, there's a wall. So I just feel like that those, part of the those, course, yeah, the, that yeah. part of the course is amendable to just fix, just kind of, you know, policing itself, I should say. And those orange speed bumps weren't there last year. So those, no. those were, those were a new addition. So. Yeah. And I, I didn't know they were there until after the first lap incident for the Xfinity race where I saw like four cars just yeah. get gutted. And I was like, why the hell is Kevin Harvick in the pits so early? And then they show the replay and it's like, why the hell is that there? Um, yeah. I, something's got to be done. And, you know, to, to uh, IMS's credit and NASCAR's credit, they acknowledge, you know, that turn six was obviously a, a hazard issue. Um, but also Doug Bowles, when he was asked about it, said that turn six has never been an issue before. Although, you know, you can kind of caveat that because this race has always been run for Indy cars and Formula One and the Xfinity's only run at one time. Um, and there, but, but there weren't any issues. No. That, no, that I can remember. So, no. so, so. Um, but having said that, you know, I hope they, I hope it remains a road course race next year. I mean, Bowles and I, uh, IMS and NASCAR confirm it's going to be a road course race next year. So, yeah. um, I mean. I'll, yeah. I'll, what happened in turn six should not be an indictment of that no, horse. No. Like, no at sure. all. It, it, it was either a curb that wasn't properly installed a curb that has just been worn down from use it it many, many things but it, it turn six should not be an indictment of the entire road course and that, no. that up until that point point the race had been good uh for the most part yeah and, and, and you know in a way if, this, if that crash doesn't happen i mean larson had what, like an eight second lead but he five seconds he had about five, five seconds he had lead. a very significant lead which on a road course is a substantial amount um oh yeah and and so he kind of stunk up the show there in that third stage. So if that, if, yeah. if none of this chaos happens in turn six, we're, we're like, are we even really sitting here talking about this race that much? I mean, because like, it just would have been another Hendrick win, another Larson win. Look how dominant they are. Oh, look, the, the road course isn't as, isn't as good an option as the oval. Let's go back to the oval. Um, and now we're sitting here talking about, you know, a NASCAR race at the Brickyard, which is something that hasn't happened in which, at, which least, sucks, at though, least 10 which, years. What sucks though, is that we're day three out and people are, like we're, I mean, we're, we're guilty of it. We're talking about the curbs. We're not talking about AJ Allmendinger winning. Oh, for sure. Uh, it, which sucks because that, that's, that colleague racing is now the first non-chartered team to win a cup race since the introduction of the charter. Um, that, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, they're, they're going full-time racing next year. Um, but AJ Allmendinger, his first win in seven years, it's, but it doesn't happen without all that chaos. Right. So it's it's this catch twenty two, and I and I really wish that we could just talk about AJ Allmendinger's win. Like like I, I, on Sunday, I specifically I just, I wanted to write about the winner, and the winner turned out to be AJ Allmendinger. Everyone else, go, go go talk to the drivers about that curb, whatever. That's unfortunately what everyone's going to be talking about for the next week. So I'm going to do my efforts to talk about the guy who won. Right. So, and um, and it, it's just cool. Thirty near thirty nine year old AJ Allmendinger running part time, like this is legitimately the first time that I can remember that a road course ringer won a Cup road course race. Like, <laughs> whatever happened to Boris? Said he never won, did he? Or did he? I think no, he, I, I don't he, think he ever did. I don't think he ever did either. No, I nope, think he, that was think, that was years ago. Maybe he did I, win one. I think he won like an Xfinity race. Okay, but yeah, okay. He, he, maybe. But he never won a cup race. Remember, he came close at Watkins Glen once. 
Right. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. That was, but, yeah. yeah, that was eons ago. It's probably still in high school. That was long. So people who otherwise you would label a road course ringer, like, you know, Marcus Ambrose, um, Juan Pablo Montoya, that they did win road courses, but they were full time. So right. you couldn't, you couldn't call them a road course ringer, but they calling basically brings, has brought in Almendinger this year to, to be the, the, the ringer on the road course races in cup. Um, and so that's i think all the way around it was so cool to see umdinger just like appear out of nowhere <laughs> and like and just run for it for and sure and you know if i think there's what seven road course races on the schedule now and if they yeah. keep that many if they keep that many next year i mean obviously he's a contender in all those races yeah. um obviously no one's gonna expect him to win all seven but like he could win if he wins at least two no one's gonna be shocked by that and then that makes him a playoff contender and then there's the roval yeah. maybe he could sneak maybe he could sneak away and get the roval we've seen weird things happen on the roval too the very first race when ryan blaney won so yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean all these things set up to where you know almondinger could be it wouldn't be i would not be shocked to see him be in like the second round of the playoffs next year just well, given as, like, the way as, that the like, schedule is well as of right now he's only going to be part-time next year colleagues gonna have a really? okay. they, they have they have two charters uh justin haley is currently announced as being their full-time driver next year with almondinger okay doing, doing i didn't know part-time. that see i thought almondinger was gonna be no, no, full-time no. as well no no okay. justin justin haley is okay. but they, they do have two charters so why not they just could, make they, Almond, why not just make almondinger full-time is he gonna are they gonna keep an xfinity series team and is he gonna stay in xfinity series yeah yeah or? yeah yeah he, yeah he's running he's right like i said as of right now he's supposed to be running full-time xfinity huh but like he would they were asked on sundays like so does this <laughs> change anything could like and almondinger's like i will do whatever they want that's what he said i will do whatever they want to do and if they, I mean, they he's got more spot, leverage now he just won yeah, a race oh, yeah. oh absolutely um yeah he, he's got that win the the, the next gen car is specifically designed to to be better on road courses so um i mean why not like i, I agree if I, if I if i was in their, their position i'd want Almondinger, Almondinger over Haley because I want someone who's done that, been there, done that, been through that grind of a 36 race season, um, and just that experience. Like Almondinger is a Swiss Army knife, as far as I'm concerned. Right, and also you've um, got a you know a veteran presence to go with Justin. Yeah, like yeah. You've got absolutely. you've got like you've got that great dynamic of this young guy who is obviously talented in his own right. But you, like, again, as you, as you said, you've got a guy who is a winner at the cup level and knows the grinds in and out. I mean, didn't he used to drive, what was his cup team? It was Penske, right? When he was racing yeah, he, for yeah, cup? Yeah, he, he I was mean, Penske. Then he, then he went to JTD, JTD Dottery. Dottery, yeah. But like, it's yeah. not like he was like racing for like, you know, small teams like the Gaunt brothers. Like he was like, yeah. like Penske's a top flight NASCAR organization. That's a wealth of knowledge that he could be bringing yeah. to Justin Haley. So yeah, why wouldn't you want to have that? I mean, obviously he'll still be in house when he's on the Xfinity side, but yeah. still, why not? have that experience with you on the cup side as well that seems like a no-brainer to me but just, again i don't i don't run an escort yeah. I, just, I just imagine like if they do announce that um matt de benedetto being over there like no <laughs> that, was, that was my spot we'll my get spot. another we'll get another eight minute instagram video of him like just looking in the camera like a sad puppy that just got beat with the newspaper it's like oh you guys i just try to be so positive but you know it just it's uh, I, I feel bad for the guy while, 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 feel, while, while he's lifting a weight uh, guys <laughs> like, like i really do feel for the guy because i know he wants it so bad i know he's coming from a genuine place but just some of the some of the stuff he does on his social media is just so hokey and it's just like it's, that's not, it's, it's performative it's, it's very, very performative, performative which you know i get but at the same time yeah i had to i, I had to unfollow guido recently because it just became too much it's just the whole 
like when he was announced that he was getting cut from Penske, it was like a whole like nine minute video. Did you guys watch it where he was like, I watched like the first minute and like, then psyched out. Like, if, like, if, like at first he took blame for himself, but then like he was like, he almost started airing like Wood Brothers Dirty Laundry. It was like, you know, there's, yeah, a, lot of was... stuff, there's a lot of stuff in house that not a lot of people know about. And I've been asking for changes for all this time and I never got it. And now that I got it and finally went and now I don't have a job. It's like, you knew you weren't gonna have a job a year ago, dude. So. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, that that video is the polar opposite of the the was it Ty Gibbs one? What did or, Ty Gibbs be? The, not, was it Nike? The one where the mental health one? I don't know what you're talking. Hmm, no, I don't. Yeah, talk, I, don't talk, follow, not, I don't follow. Not, Ty Gibbs not, maybe it's not Ty Gibbs. Media. Who was the one that had the the thing that was like you know where he was like thinking about quitting and everything? You did thinking an interview about- with him, Daniel. Oh, Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon. Dillon. Yes. Oh, Dillon. Okay. Dillon. Dillon. All, 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 these, all these kids. This is, this is what happens when you have multiple, t- multiple ties, multiple chases. It's like, who yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> you could put, you could substitute the Tyler for the first name for any NASCAR driver. And it still sounds like a NASCAR driver name. Like Tyler Harvick, Tyler Kislowski, Tyler Truex, Tyler Elliott, Tyler Byron, Tyler Bush. Like all, it could just, it works. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If if someone's gonna talk about their mental health, all for it. And what, yeah. what so what's Ty Dillon doing these days? He's he's doing Xfinity part-time, isn't he? Or is he full-time Xfinity? Well, he sometimes gets to drive for Gaunt Brothers Racing on certain yes, tracks. Yes, yes, but he, he had five races of Joe Gibbs racing at the beginning of the year and that ran out. <laughs> my so. my my favorite memory of Ty Dillon a couple of years ago when Daniel Suarez was driving for Stuart Haas, Fox Sports did a feature on him because um there was a young Hispanic gentleman somewhere. Uh, who had autism have either of you guys seen this story i don't think so there was a young hispanic man who he was in high school but he has autism but he loves nascar and like he's like 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 the movie rain man where he just memorizes the telephone book like this dude is just a walking encyclopedia of nascar and he's a huge daniel suarez fan so daniel suarez flew him out to i think it was california to watch a nascar race and he got to be there like where all the drivers are introduced and like drivers would go up to him they knew who he was they all went up to him and they offered like autographs and stuff and ty dylan like offers like, hey, you want me to sign your hat? And the kid's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because because he just doesn't have that like that uh, that social awareness part of, due to his autism. But <laughs> so Ty Dillon's just being really sweet and earnest, like, hey, can I sign your hat? It's like, no. Is <laughs> it? Well, uh, one of my favorites. So, sort of related to that, um, uh, John. I don't. Do you remember last year in the Bush Clash when Eric Jones won? Um, after the race, he, he went up to a kid um, at the fence trying to give him the checkered flag, and the kid refused him. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that happened, on, that happened on national TV, and yesterday I recorded an interview for next week on the podcast, inclu- including with two uh, hosts of uh, another podcast called the Fast Lap Podcast, and one of the co-hosts, that was his mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Do we know who she's a fan of? Like, yes. Like her, or who the kid's a fan of? Uh, oh, shoot, Denny Hamlin. Okay, that's, that's acceptable. I won't be mad at that. So. Dude, so obviously Kyle Busch isn't a very popular driver among adults, but like every time, like there's little kids everywhere at that track with them and shit on. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And like there's like there's so many situations like that. Like I would see like there were a bunch of Kyle Bush fans around me. And like the parents would boo Kyle Bush, but the little kid is sitting there just like going nuts for the candy man. And just that time, <laughs> I just <laughs> and just in that moment, I was like, you know what? 
I can't be mad at the dad. I'd probably be the same. I mean, I like Kyle Busch, but if it's like a driver I don't like, like I'm not a big fan of like uh, Austin Dillon. So like if my kid was like the biggest Austin Dillon fan, I would I would absolutely like glow every time Austin Dillon did something bad. Like so. Anyways, I, I, just, I feel I feel like at this point, from? what's this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know where this tangent is going, but I'm going with it. So I think that we sh- I think that NASCAR and, and um, his uh, owner and all that stuff uh, needs uh, Kyle Busch. They just need to fully embrace the John Cena aesthetic. Yeah. Like come out, come out to bad rap music. Um, <laughs> either. Yeah, why not? And I think like Kyle Busch already leans hard into how unpopular he is. He he knows he's not stupid. Do you think they'd let him wear jorts over oh, his fire suit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like, you, you, like Morning Consult did a survey of about twenty two hundred Americans last year, saying like, which drivers do you do you most recognize? You know, given the events of the year, Bubba Wallace right. was sixty six percent. Kyle Busch was sixty five. Good, like good for him. Like he's like, I mean, he's he's the only current multi active multi multi cup champion winner, so that that makes sense. But he might not be popular. But he, he's up, he's up there. Can so. I use Can I use Kyle Busch as a segue back into the race? Okay, yes. go. So obviously, there were drivers that were you know, pretty vocal about the fact that they lost an oval race, not just an oval race, but a crown jewel, quote unquote, although I, you could make a pretty easy case for why to why the Brickyard has not been a crown jewel race for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Kyle Busch on Instagram after the race and so in, in, in a joke post made his feelings known that, you know, he wishes they were on the oval. I know Harvick and, and I, I think Hamlin at one point said that he was, uh, wish it was an oval race. Austin Dillon, after his post-race interview, after he crashed, you know, said that we took a crown jewel race, we made it into a demolition derby. So um, I guess I'm just curious, you guys have already made have had this conversation on a separate episode. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for just bringing this back up again, but like, I think for, so for me, I have not been to an, to a Brickyard 400 race as a fan since the 2008 tire fiasco. I was there. I did not go back since. This was my first time seeing a cup race at IMS. And I, I've been advocating for the road course race for years. I was so happy when they announced it. And in spite of all the shenanigans that happened and all the bull in turn six and all the stuff with Briscoe and Halen, I thought this was a really entertaining race. Um, coupled with the fact that it was a triple header with Xfinity and IndyCar being there, you yeah. get so much bang for your buck. Um, there was an energy there around amongst the fans um one just because i think they weren't I mean, they weren't there last year there were no fans at the races so i think just being back was big yeah. for them but you know like my I, I asked my parents if they wanted to go and they said no nah, we'll see how it goes and we'll go next year if it's a good race and like I, you know as soon as the race is over they both texted me saying i got Damn it, we, we screwed up we should have been there because it was a great race and like and like they've already told me they're going next year like All so right. like so like it's 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 i think it's I know that the conversation around the race can be sort of a negative thing for NASCAR given what happened in the race, but I think just on the whole, I think that this road course race really delivered and I'm really excited to have it back next year. And I'm going to go again. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I mean, like, and, I, and I don't think, I don't think it was a bad thing. And I think NASCAR recognizes it wasn't a bad thing because right. they're playing it up. And yes. I, I, and you know, as, as lately we've been doing a lot of conspiracy theory building on, on here. Um, Fake um, conspiracy. Theory. Well, this one's real. This one's real. I think Denny Hamlin's Babies in come on out it. of the. <laughs> I think Denny Hamlin's in on it. I think Denny Hamlin's playing it up, and I, I like. I, I don't know. Part of me just feels like NASCAR and Denny Hamlin is like, "Hey, how can we make money off this? All right, we're gonna we're gonna go. We're gonna double down, and we're gonna keep doing it, and then we're gonna put out some videos. And I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is yeah. all just ad revenue on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but no, like up until 
the chaos, I thought it was a completely reasonable uh, rope course race. The, fir- the first one was tame, but the, the first stage of any race is usually pretty tame because mm-hmm. especially in this non-practice qualifying era, even though they had practice this weekend, the, the first stage is when teams are trying to figure out what they have and all that. So they're kind of conservative. And then the second stage is when you turn things up and things got turned up because Brad Kozlowski decided to stay out for some, for some, or his team decided to stay out. And then he just slowly dropped through the field and just started creating all sorts of messes and issues that made it a very entertaining stage. Right. Um, so no, the, like, I think I, I, I do think the competition level like went up in the second, that was a really fun one to watch. And then the third stage happened and then you had, what was, Oh no, no, no. You, you, you were coming to the end of the second stage and you had Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson fighting for the lead and Larson gets, but not, Oh no, it wasn't the lead. It was like ninth. But after yeah, everyone the, else, yeah, after everyone, it would have, right. it was going to be the lead. It was going to be the lead. And then Kyle Larson got him, I think, coming through that last set of turns. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that was, that was going to decide the race, basically <laughs> that, 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 that battle right there. And, and then, it was a tough pass. I think he passed him on the outside and those are really tight turns in that portion of the track coming back onto the main part of the ovals. So uh, that yeah. was a really impressive move by Larson. So, yeah. And in that moment I was like, Oh, Chase doesn't have anything for him. Barring no. some sort barring some sort of adjustment in the pits uh, during the stage break. Like I was like, Oh, well, Larson's got the best car of anyone here. Yeah. Yeah. And then th- he was gone like five seconds. He, he was cruising, but like, like Pocono, it's not over until it's over. Right. <laughs> so... mm-hmm. And when they waved that caution flag, uh, you know, everyone in the crowd cheered because they were just it, at that point, the race had become a parade, which is what the brickyard had kind of been the last couple of years. And so again, I just kind of go back to, you know, if that doesn't happen, are we really talking about, you know, oh, obviously they should do the road course next year. So it's 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 curb six, both saved and ruined the race. Yeah, I mean <laughs> like yeah, that's 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 part of it for sure. So so like so you so people were streaming out there after the, the, the second wreck. Is that, is that what you said, John? People during were the second red flag during, during the second red flag, there was a notice no, at least where I was sitting, there was a noticeable contingent of people that were leaving. But at that point in the day. It was, you know, five o'clock. It's a Sunday. It's a work night. I get it. You know, I live just a mile from the track. I just walked to the race. But some of these people, um, I was, there was one family I talked to on the way in. They drove up here from Evansville, which is about a three and a half hour drive. Um, so if, you know, if people got to get back going home for work the next day, I get it. So, um, but, you know, to go from a red flag to a long yellow flag and then immediately back to another red flag. Um, yeah, that's a lot, especially when it seemed like Hamill was going to hold on there because he did so well in that first restart. It seemed like he was going to hold on, but like, like you said, things aren't over till they're over. And anytime there's a restart in that course, you know, I think their cars were going four or five wide into turn one. And like you said, um, Almendinger was 17th and then he just was able to just immediately just like cookie monster, just swallow up these huge swaths of, of cars and gain a ton of track position and put himself in the right spot for someone else's screw up. It's just one of those, those instances where you can just, Almendinger just shows how good he is on road courses mm-hmm. because the way he's, the way he like, he navigated that, those restarts going into turn one like he knew what to do yep like like he 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 was ahead of it so and like he he got like like 17th to 7th on the first restart and then 7th to the third it was like oh man <laughs> so also i also i know that they did this because it's a new course but it was nice to see practice and qualifying again yeah it, and it really it was yeah. really cool to see daniel suarez start fifth where if it was just the normal draw or based on the formula, he'd be starting 26th, 25th. It was just nice to see, you know, 
cars that otherwise wouldn't be up there in a spot to compete. I know that he fell back later in the race was in that crash and finished 37th, but you know, there for the first two stages, he was running top 10. And like, I even texted yeah. Daniel during the race. I was like, I hope Daniel Suarez steals this. Cause he's in a really, he's having a really good day so far. Um, it's just, and I want that to happen for other checks too. Like I, I forgot that they still did the formula thing because I just saw qualify and, you know, NASCAR announced the, yeah. qual- the, the lineup for today. And I was just like, Oh yeah, they're still doing that. So <laughs> I wish qualifying was back. Well, we, we, fortunately, we won't get it again until Phoenix. So the championship race, but uh, with the next gen, <laughs> next gen car coming back, not coming back, being introduced next year, it's, it's got the practice is coming back. Yes. Um, you, you, you cannot just blindly go into, into to tracks with a brand new car. No, no. And especially what if they, what if they reconfigure the track next year? I mean, I've seen on the IndyCar side, I've seen them arguing to just make it a, like a, like an indie roval where they would do the old school formula one map where they would come out on oval turn two and run all the way through turn one down the main stretch, going into oval turn four for the road course turn one, if that makes sense. Like the way the track is configured mm. now is not the way it was originally configured because they, it, was okay. a total, it was a totally separate uh, configuration. Um, if you look up uh, the 2000 US Grand Prix, you'll see how it originally was. Those last couple turns were not there. Those were only mm. added in 2014 when Indy cars started running the road course race there. I think they should okay. go back to the Formula One setup because then you're letting those cars bring a whole lot more speed and momentum into that first turn. And I think you're making it a much more uh, potent passing area. Also more, that's also more dangerous because you, by that point they're going full speed, like and braking become an issue, and then you tear up brakes. So, mm, I don't like know. That, 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 that's that's why the, the that chicane is there on the back stretch of the road course to, to slow those cars down, so that that the braking going into turn seven isn't such a big deal. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. I want to see carnage. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to run. Into, they're not going to run into a wall there. I mean, it's an oval. They could, there's an off spot where they can go yeah. and get back on the track. I mean, there's no sand there. They're not going to tear up their cars in that part of the track. I'd be willing to at least see NASCAR give it a try to see what the, what the Cup cars think. I don't know. Mm. Again, right. what do I know? I don't. I'm not. I'm not a sports reporter. So, from from John, from your perspective, like has like I, driving through the streets of Speedway, driving through those neighborhoods. Um, during the race weekend it's such so clearly are you racing neighborhood like yes. there's there, there's there's one house that had a huge flagpole but there wasn't any american flags or anything on it it was just every flag you'd find in a flag stand at a track i was like i like you yep um so like, everywhere in this neighborhood so like how how much is that area into nascar in general is it or, or is it just we like IndyCar and NASCAR when it's here. <laughs> um, there's definitely a contingent here that is diehard NASCAR. Obviously, IndyCar steals the show. Um, yeah. This will always be an IndyCar town. When when the when the IndyCar is in town, they have a parade that goes through these neighborhoods, and drivers will go to like people's houses and like yeah. and like do photo ops with them and stuff. Um, you don't get quite that level of NASCAR. Um, but, but then again, because like this, like I said, in this is where IndyCar came from. This is its birthplace. It's obviously yeah. not uh, going to supersede NASCAR. But like that being said, there is a very strong contingent of NASCAR fans here. I'm not sure what the official attendance numbers were. I would wager they were about the same as what the Brickyard has been the last couple of years, about 35,000 or so. But Bulls said they were expecting like 60,000. I mean, I'm not so sure. I don't I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, it's not like, yes, NASCAR is second fiddle here, but that's it still has a very strong... Um, a very strong following. I mean, 
uh, like I said, I live walking distance from the track. When I was walking the track, I saw a bunch of people from the neighborhoods. We were just kind of, you know, like we were just uh, like like insects that just tried to find their the larger uh, <laughs> like like ants when they go back to the hive. You know, like that, that's that's how it felt like. Um, so and just especially from where we live, because you can hear the cars from the track. There's literally a buzz in the air whenever things come to town. And um, yeah, this is this is a right. There's a there's a bar here that sells a shirt calls. Uh, it, uh, on the shirt, it says we're a racing town. We're a drinking town with a racing problem. So uh, <laughs> that, should, that kind of speaks to the culture that, that, that is here. So um, can you and again, get me one of those shirts, please? <laughs> yeah, they sell them. They sell them. I can get you one. Ben, I would love it. Um, it's called Dawson's. It's on Main Street right here in Speedway. Um, and tonight they're doing uh, a dirt track race out inside turn yeah. three at the race. And yeah. that's going to be packed too. I mean, because there's short tracks all around Speedway. There's, you know, there's uh, Lucas Oil, I think is what it's called now, where all the drags are. They've got a, a short track out there. There's all kinds of dirt tracks around here. You know, Kyle Larson, I think, comes here every now and then to race on some of those dirt tracks here around the state. Um, it, we're just, you know, racing's just uh, a very popular thing around here. Like I said, yes, NASCAR second fiddle, but that does not diminish NASCAR in any way. There's still a heavy NASCAR presence here for sure. Because when I, when, I, when I was in the infield uh, this weekend, Saturday, it seemed like seemed like I saw IndyCar fans with IndyCar shirts and stuff. But like overwhelmingly, it seemed like it was mostly NASCAR, pe- people wearing NASCAR memorabilia and stuff, even yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday, it was where I was sitting. It was a good 50-50. Although, again, I sat in the same area Saturday and Sunday. It was a road course turn one. Um, and I wore, I'm a big Simon Pagano guy, so I'm decked out in my Pagano stuff on Saturday. Um but after the IndyCar race, like I, th- I would wager like a third of the people in my section left. They didn't stay for the no. extended race, which, ah. which, but yeah, I was, I was like, I was like, you paid for two races. Like why? Yeah. Like why not just stick around and watch? Um, although at that, the Xfinity race started at like four and that was like the hottest part of the day. And there was no shade that day. It was super hot there. So I think it was three. Was it three? Either way, mm. either way. It was, it was later in the day. It was the hottest part of the day when it started, but um, it's four no, o'clock I mean, was- somewhere, Daniel. <laughs> say, say what it was four o'clock somewhere <laughs> there was uh <laughs> there but um yeah saturday there was a good it was not it was i'll just say this it's so nice to see indycar and nascar coexisting especially what yeah. happened in the 90s with the irl champ car split because the reason a good reason why it split was because tony george wanted to keep indycar on ovals to keep guys like jeff gordon and tony stewart in open wheel racing and it just seen, it's just nice to see these two entities cooperate for the betterment, not only for themselves, but for just the betterment of auto racing in general. It's cool for fans to be able to spend, because I think it was like 60 bucks on Saturday to watch an IndyCar race and a NASCAR race. Like, that's a great deal. Sign me up every time I'm there. Um, it's just, it's really cool for the sport to exhibit the best drivers across a you know, several different styles of racing. It's cool yeah. to see Joseph Newgard, excuse me, it's cool to see Joey Logano watch an IndyCar race. It's cool to see Ryan Hunter Ray stick around and walk through the NASCAR uh, garage the next day. It's cool to see guys like Alex Pillow, who grew up in Spain and never really cared about NASCAR, come over here, race for Chip Ganassi uh, in IndyCar, and then stick around and get pointers from Kurt Busch about NASCAR stuff because Kurt Busch is driven in IndyCar. It's cool to see Pato Award and Daniel Suarez, two Mexican yeah. drivers in separate yeah, yeah. series, pal around on pit road and that's really cool to see as well, a fan well, they, they, they had they had raced together in mexico yes yeah, they're, uh, both from, it, yeah, they're both from the same town monterey yeah yeah and this was this was like the first time they got to see each other in like this i think years yeah so, and it's, and it's um, really cool to see that as a fan and like i said like 60 bucks for two races 
Yeah, and it was the same price, I think, for the cup race, which that's fine. If it's a good race like it was this year, I'll pay 60 bucks again. And like I said, my parents want to go next year, which is something that never was said about the Brickyard last, mm. the last decade. So it was great. Just as a fan, you know, I used to cover sports. And, you know, Daniel, you know, like, you know, being a writer of something and a fan of something are two totally different hats. So it was just oh, nice yeah. to just be, it was just nice to just be a fan again and you get to enjoy something that is near and dear to me. So. Yeah, like uh, uh, as a kid of the '90s, my my dad raised me on both at the same time. So like, the, the, we, there's VHSs buried at, at my parents' house of recorded like Road America races for, for IndyCar, uh, re- recorded uh, like Pepsi 400s. So like, I I, I consumed both. I, I liked both of them. Um, like NASCAR was the overwhelming favorite for me, but um, but yes. The stuff like this needs to happen there, sh- there, there, there shouldn't be barriers between like he- healthy riv- rivalries are, are great the, yes but and like rivalries with between these two series like animosity it just never made sense to me right. I, I think it's, it's always came down to like who 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 has the inferiority complex this month um yes so that that's like and in like 95 96 the 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 shift happened like indycar was top and then yeah then tony george ran it into the ground yes yes so it it, but i will say it seems like the animosity i don't get that sense from like the actual series and the drivers it seems like there's a great deal of respect there it's mostly from the fan side of things like i'll hear indycar fans say oh well nascar just uses gimmicks like stage racing and playoffs and and yada 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 and and green white checkers it's like indycar has two separate tire compounds and like push the the pass. pass They're like Formula One, which is like the most technically uh, advanced form of racing that we have. They have D- DSR or whatever, right? Literally the back wing of the car just opens up to allow for a bunch of air to go through the car so they can just pass people. Um, I mean, every race. Which, which is the one that has the thing where the fans can vote for who can use the curves. That's a thing? Yeah. Huh? There, there, was a, there was a race where there was a fan vote for um, so they could use the 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 battery assisted speed boost. <laughs> I don't know. What, I, if yeah. that happened in NASCAR, Kyle, if that happened in NASCAR, Kyle Busch, Bubba Wallace would never get it. And we know exactly why. Um, <laughs> but um, maybe it's Formula One. I know for Formula One, for their boost system, you have to be within a certain time, like a certain yeah. distance of the driver ahead of you. It's like one or two seconds. So, but like, but my point is, is like every series uses things to, liven up the entertainment value of the race and add some sort of competitive, I guess you could say, uh, you know, some competitive uh, flair no, to the race, I should say. Like, there's no such thing as pure racing. No. Like, mm-hmm. like, people, like so many people, yeah. Say, I mean, maybe the closest, they, maybe I was just going to say, maybe the closest thing you could say is maybe drag racing. Like, maybe just because it's so short, but even then. That's why that's why I'm not a fan of drag racing, is that it's so short. So <laughs> but no, I, I hear so many people say, Oh man, NASCAR is so full of gimmicks. I'm like, you mean the sport that was founded on the idea of a bunch of bootleggers instead of running from the cops racing each other? Right. The, that, like the, the sport where they raced on a beach for a decade? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. NASCAR is a gimmick. It's been a gimmick since day one. Yeah. So it's okay. like there, there's a green flag and a checkered flag. And for me, anything in between is kind of negotiable. Yeah. I mean, so. auto racing in general just started as a gimmick. It was like, oh, there's these machines. Let's see who can go fastest. And especially like, like if you read, have you read the book Blood and Smoke about the first Indy 500? 
No. Oh, it's incredible. Highly recommend it. It's called Blood and Smoke. It's about the first Indy 500. It just, it goes into like all the sordid detail in history about the guys who founded IMS who were all scumbags. Spoiler alert, they were all scumbags. That's why the, that's why the track never talks about them because they were scumbags. Um, they were racist, womanizers, and al- al- alcoholics and degenerate gamblers, which we can forgive the, the gambling now because, you know, you can gamble on your phone. But anyways, um, yeah, just <laughs> racing from its inception was a given. Like people would come out to Indy car races back in the early 1900s, they would come out to auto races just for the gimmick of seeing a motor go fast on basically what amounted to souped up bike wheels. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree with you. Like from the, from its very inception, these things are predicated on gimmicks and they're only, you know, given the valor of legitimacy later on once they reach some sort of mass appeal. And you can say about yeah. sports, you can say that about, um, you know, art, like the Simpsons were, outca- were an outcast show and now, you know, they're on Disney plus, you know? Um, and same, you know, same with. Hey, uh, hey man, th- th- those Star Wars shorts were entertaining, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know. <laughs> or like, you know, or even like punk rock, you know, like like the Ramones never sold anything in their lifetime, and then they're all dead, but you, every, all their T-shirts are everywhere, and they're ubiquitous in the culture. So, I, I know that gets off on a tangent, but I, I, I'm just saying, I'm just in a larger point. I'm just trying to say that I agree with you. That you know, just the whole. I don't really pure racing is not real. Gimmickry isn't real. I just want to see entertainment, entertaining race racing within a certain context. I guess that's just a generational divide because most of the people I see bitching about this are old people. And by old, I mean anyone older than me. And I'm 32. Sorry, Mr. Crow, if that's you. No. Good. I'm 35. So Never mind. You're not old then. Anyone older than Mr. Crow is old. So, but, no, so most of the people complain about gimmicks. They, they, they want it to be 90, 1995 again. And it's right. just, it's just, it's not going back to 1995. I know, which I get. I get. That was a great time for the sport. And yeah. like, no matter what it is, be it sports or whatever, whatever you like, when it when you came across it at an important part of your life, it means more to you then. Yeah. Um, most of the drivers are plus. Most of the drivers are too young to drive, to grow those mustaches. <laughs> okay, so I looked it up. Formula E. It was called Fan Boost. Fans get to vote on who. Is that gets... still a thing? That's, that's... Uh, I, I can't tell if it is or not. Um, but it's it's for very limited, but yeah, it was a okay. thing where, um, yeah, the, but yeah, it was, it, it was a thing and people hate it. In NASCAR, Chase Elliott would get it every week. Yes. Every week. Mm-hmm. Like he'd yeah. be in first, he'd be, in, he could be in first and have the entire field lapped by five laps and they'd still give it to Chase Elliott. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, it's, Yeah. And it'd also be called the the Fanny McBoost. <laughs> the oh. Fanny McBoost. Fanny that, wait, McBoost that, face, like yeah. right? Yeah. Is that the is that the name of M- the, McFanny uh, McBoost faced? Is that the, <laughs> is that the name of this podcast episode? Then McFanny McBoost faced. I don't. Know. It is now. <laughs> it's your yeah. show. It's your show, McFadden. You do a show. Uh, yeah, it's my show, but he actually makes the episode titles. Great. <laughs> yes. Um, All right. So anyway, uh, we're done with that. All right, Crow. What time is it? I I, I wish I could take a screenshot of John's face. I I, I can. <laughs> I have I can. no idea what's going on right now. It, it's McDowell Watch, John. Uh, it's our our weekly segment documenting uh, how Michael McDowell did. In, oh, each, oh, each, oh okay. each wake in each race. So, I thought you were yeah, about we, to like put me on the spot and try to embarrass me, which you know, 
you have to have shame to be embarrassed, which I have none. So you, the joke's on you. <laughs> so, but no, like after he won the Daytona 500, uh, we we took it on ourselves to just document how our intrepid Daytona 500 winner does each week, since it's automatically the best season of his career. He's locked into the playoffs, and um, yeah. So Michael McDowell, because because we had qualifying, qualified twelfth, uh, which is last when if we're just talking about rounds. Uh, he made it to the final round, but he qualified 12. Um, he almost won a stage. Uh, well, while everyone was, you know, short pitting because of the end of the stage, he stayed out and he had a battle with Tyler Reddick. Reddick passed him, uh, but McDowell finished second. So he, he got some stage points, some, something that he could, you know, ho- hopefully helps him in the seeding for um, the playoffs, but probably won't um, because he's 19th in the point standings right now. Um, and then he, uh, like a bunch of other people in the third stage, uh, got airborne. So he, he went, got it. He went for a ride. Yes. Where, whereas most of the field was trying to go four wide to pass. He tried to go too tall. <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause. Great. That's a- <laughs> Are you are you are you a dad? I mean that sincerely. Are you a dad? Uh, just dogs. Okay. Well, you're a great dad. That's a dad dog joke then. Yes. Oh, that's great. He's, he's got yeah. He's got dad energy. Good. Um, I, got, I got mad dad energy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, uh, on one of those final restarts, Mr. McDowell um, went airborne on one 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 of the the curbs and was involved in that wreck, and he finished thirtieth with a dnf it was his first dnf since the race at martinsville early this spring this was only his second dnf um and he goes into michigan 19th in the points where he's been for the last three weeks and he will be starting where is he where is he 25th he's starting 25th um at michigan so not not the not the best, but uh, McDowell, as you're you're about to hear, well, we have a clip from uh, the pre-race media availability with drivers where we got to talk to talk with McDowell, and uh, we'll we'll have one thing that I'm introducing this with one thing, but we'll have another thing to talk about on the way out. So uh, you know, we we start off this conversation with Michael McDowell, just a- asking him. Um, how the team is preparing uh, for the playoffs. And he, he'll, he talks about the final two races at like Michigan and Daytona and how they view that. Where, where, where's your team at and like getting ready for the playoffs? Like what are you guys working on the most for that first three races? Yeah, I mean, we're ramping up as much as we can. I mean, he, he, for us, you know, it's not like we're sitting there with four or 500 people we're just going to pump out you know five brand new cars you know we're trying to make uh what we have currently as nice as possible and as fast as possible but it's not it's not um the preparation i think that you would see at a a joe gibbs racing or hendrick and that's not a bash on our team it's just where we're at we got this new car rolling out 
um, all this inventory is going to be sort of useless. So to go and say, well, let's spend a million dollars and build, you know, eight brand new cars, and I, it's just not feasible for us to do right now. Did you breathe uh, any sort of sigh of relief when Kyle Larson won last week, knowing that there couldn't be that you're yes. any chance of yes? So yeah. You so you know, everyone's like, you win and you're in. We've had this conversation before. I did not feel like that. You know, from the fourth race, I felt like, oh, this could be that season where we get more than 16 winners. Um, and so I never felt like we were in until the end of last week. You know, I mean, obviously you want to create your own uh, luck and destiny, but, you know, Kyle Larson winning was, was something that, um, you know, let us breathe a little bit easier coming into this weekend because you have wild card races. I mean, this is a wild card race. Michigan, believe it or not, I think it's a wild card race. With with our package and the restarts, you can get three, four wide, get clear, and, and win a race. And then obviously Daytona is anybody's race. So uh, I do feel like you know it's it's um, a big relief coming here, knowing that we can just race race our race. Michael McDowell views Michigan as a wild card because of, of the package and the wild restarts that will ensue. Hopefully, not as wild as the restarts that we saw in indianapolis but who so, knows so before his adventure um I, I sent a tweet and said hey team mick driver give us something amazing to talk about on the next dth pod and then about a couple minutes after that um mick driver that's not what i meant <laughs> <laughs> i mean you weren't specific enough and again like the race in general i guess no all news is good news so but but anyway, in that that McDowell bit, uh, Fox Sports reporter uh, Bob Pockris, uh, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, uh, asked him about certain buzz going through the garage uh, that maybe possibly Denny Hamlin twenty three eleven racing could be buying Front Row Motorsports or merging with Front Row Motorsports, which would throw into question what Michael McDowell is going to be doing in 2022. And Michael McDowell has been on a year to year deal for his entire cup series career. Obviously a lot of chat about front row and next year. What kind of chat happened? Well, like Danny Hamlin might be buying the whole thing. Is there a spot for me, Bob? That's the question. I mean, I think people, I I would say this year is proven. I mean, you're 19th overall in points, right? That if you're top 20 in points, there should be a spot for you, right? Somewhere. Yeah, I would would hope so. Uh, so my question is like, are you getting nervous about that stuff, or have you been around long enough that you know like you can do what you can do on the track? And yeah, yeah so yes and no. I mean, every year I've been on a year-to-year deal, you know, since I've been in the Cup Series, so I'm used to that. Doesn't mean that you're not nervous. You know, you obviously, just like you mentioned, I'm having we're having the best season I've ever had with winning and running up front and consistently consistently running as you know as good as we ever had if not better so um you know i do feel like you know i i I want to be in the series i've been waiting for this new car for a long time this new car is something that's going to fit my style my background sports car racing and feel like it kind of levels the playing field so i hope that um you know everything works out where i'll be able to run next year and and showcase what we can do as a team um but it's it's always been year to year i'm I'm thankful for you know the opportunity bob jenkins has been extremely loyal to me and a good friend and um you know we're working hard at making sure that we can stay together for the future in in the the wake of you winning the 500 you know people would ask you how's your life changed and it wasn't really like fair to ask that like right right in the immediate aftermath of it but six months out 
how has the life of Mike McDowell maybe shifted a little bit? Uh, it really hasn't. No. Uh, no, it really hasn't. It. I mean, obviously winning the race has been awesome and it's great, but it hasn't changed. You know, I, I mean, Bob just asked. It. I'm still here. Uh, heading into September, wondering if I had a job after winning the biggest race in our yeah. sport. So yeah. hasn't changed that much. <laughs> so, what do you guys think about uh, the possibility of 2311 Racing getting its second charter via acquisition of the entirety of Front Row Motorsports? I'll defer to Mr. Krill. He's the he's the regular on this. <laughs> I'll give my opinion after his. Um, I mean. I have the least informed opinion here, but it just seems, it, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of weird stuff going on. There's a lot of teams throwing money around right now, I guess, because of the next gen car, but it just seems like a weird call, but I guess I don't understand the charter system enough other than at a high level to, to know the value there other than the obvious that you get two cars. So it's just it just seems like overall it just seems like a weird move on their part when they're trying to build something from scratch because now you're trying to merge this new company that's still probably you know you're still trying to stand up with uh and then the uh you're dealing with the after effects of like you're kind of pulling away from who who's the partner that they're basically that they're involved with the other team right. Uh, oh, we're talking about 2311? 2311, yeah. Oh, yeah, Joe Gibbs Racing. Okay, so you've got the weirdness with them and Joe Gibbs. So basically, there's a whole lot of new, there's a whole lot of complications, and then you try to bring in this other team that's a, you know, then they've been really successful season, but they've been really... For, for them, them. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, clearly, they're doing a lot with, with, with very little over there, um, which is a great thing, but it just seems like a weird thing to incorporate into what you're trying to turn into an A-list team. Well, right now, like front, front, front row motorsports is that just just because Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500, um, and when it comes to like that, they'll get more like TV money and stuff from NASCAR just because of that for for the next rolling three years period. Um, so right now, front from yeah, front row motorsports is it is probably at its most valuable ever. Um, and but when it comes to charters, with the next gen car coming, and you have a lot of teams wanting to come in, like Colleague Racing, Colleague Racing just bought two charters from Spire Motorsports earlier this year just to get in. You have GMS Racing that's wanting to get in, but we don't know whether it's supposed to be full time or part time. You have Junior Motorsports expressing interest in possibly doing it, but you know it, it comes down to how much that charter costs. I mean, I would see, I, I would, you know. Again, they don't have a charger, charter, but I would see it much more like if they're going to buy somebody, I mean, or merge with someone like 2311, like just with the profile they're trying to build, like Junior Motorsports makes more sense to me than than some D well, or BC level team. Well, Junior Motorsports is tied to Hendrick Motorsports, so that's 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 kind of the issue there. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't see Dale Jr. going to Toyota. <laughs> so just to be sure, so in this scenario, assuming 2311 does buy out front row, they would just dissolve it the way the track house is going to dissolve Chip Ganassi. Yes, it would yeah, not yeah, be yeah, 2311 yeah. and associated yes. with front row. So the, like the only, like... And front row motorsports has one charter. Yes, it's just McDowell. No, no, they have two. Front row has two. They have McDowell and Anthony Alfredo. And oh, the, Sauce the Mafia. Third. That's my guy. Yes, I forgot about him. Yes, yes, so, yes. So, so they also... They, they also have their a truck series operation 
So th you could add add in a development stage for 2311 racing. Um, but like the the reported when when Colleague Racing bought its two charters from Spire Motorsports, AP reported that it was around $10 million like each. So and then after that happened, you have Trackhouse just buying Chip Ganassi. Like, wh wh why spend all that money just on the charters when you just get the operation? Mm -hmm. It seems seems a lot easier. So twenty, especially when like, your dad is a minority owner for the Golden State Warriors, yeah, that helps. <laughs> oh, is is, oh, is Justin Mark's dad a minority owner? Yes, of, yes. Okay, yes, I yes, did yes. not know that. Yes, now just I, yes. Justin Marks's dad is a billionaire. Justin Marks went to dad and said, "Hey, can I have a hundred million dollars so I can go buy a NASCAR team?" And he wrote the check. So. Yeah, it's so, been interesting to watch um, everyone kind of dance around that fact. I mean, I'm not, I mean, you, you, you I mean, can't great. help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you can't help who your dad is. I'm not knocking Justin Marks. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's certainly successful with what he does, but like, that's the reality of the situation, you know? Yeah. They, they like, just, he, it's just NASCAR, so they've had to, they've had to try to play into he, that bootstrap might, mythos. Yeah, right. he might be a trust fund kid, but like, he, he's also a successful racer. Yes, he's, yes, he's, yes, he, yes. He's not, he's not just out there like, tearing up stuff like right. i don't care my right. dad's being like he, he's right. won it's an not, Xfinity it's, race it's not rick so, we're racing yes it's not rick we're racing yes we know yes so, so. but yeah like i think from, from now on i'm gonna refer to justin marks as the taylor swift of nascar <laughs> okay I, I why trust because my she, kid that's still really successful yeah she comes from a very rich family that was, the, that was one of the reasons why she was so popular at such a very young age, because her family had the money to afford uh, buying her a record deal. Yes, yes. Which, hey, she did. Um, she did. Yeah, she had she had the talent. She justified it in the end, which is yeah. obviously Justin Marks is successful, too, again. But anyways. But anyway, yeah. I just um, pissed, pissed like, our three, but, three of our four fans off. But, <laughs> but like, but really, like the charters. They're, they're 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 they cost as much as someone's willing to pay for them mm -hmm. um and Junior, like dale jr has said like there there's a limit to what the, the, they're willing to pay um but like you have stuff like there's a possibility that rick Ware racing might have one of its charters revoked by nascar based off performance so that that they would then like have to turn around and like give that out some way um, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, probably um, a for uh, probably a forced sale or like an auction. Maybe. I um, mean, I'd be fine with it. What does that team do? I know they're super underfunded and they do the best they can. And the, I'm sure people that work there try as hard as they can limited resources. But like at the end of the day, man, like if 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 Rick Ware Racing can have a charter so they can finish 35th every week, like Michael McDowell's out of a ride because of the charter system, that that's not bad. That's not good for NASCAR. It's just not. Yeah, I. I, I don't know where McDowell would end up in this scenario exactly because the defending Daytona 500 winner should be definitely and it he he deserves right he's 19th in points he's he's at, he has six top 10 finishes the best of his career um but like it's it's an open secret that Kurt Busch is going to 2311 yes like I know it's been reported heavily but it seems like that's yeah. basically a done deal it just hasn't been announced yeah like he, okay. he's, he said last weekend at Watkins Glen that like the deal's almost done. Monster Energy is just like looking for like the right date to announce stuff. Okay. So you get, yeah, and, you get their marketing package together. And so they're just trying to get a charter to make it like official official. Yeah. Okay. At th this point. So, okay. but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but 
Yeah, the track what Trackhouse did opened up a gate. Like if if you can't if you can't if if just buying that charter is just a little too much, buy a team if if if, if you can afford it. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know that much about the charter system. I part of me wonders why it even exists. Like if if you want to have fifty teams that want to run full time cup, just let them. But I get that you know the money is too big to for anyone to say no to have to. To not doing the charter system because again like you said that ap article said that one chart just to rent a charter is 10 million no they, they the the buying the charter like buying oh, the charter right. is 10 million oh so that's just to show up no that's a tough pill to swallow yeah if well, i had justin marx's money i would just buy team two well part, part, part of the the idea with the charter system was to give the team value outside of its equipment and stuff right like like so many teams are just when they, they they close up shop, they just sell their equipment for you know just nickels. Has anyone Prepared. talked to Has anyone talked to Bob Jenkins, the owner, about this? Like as, as far as we know, does is he has he said anything on the record about whether he's even willing to sell? No, like I mean, this, this this popped up over the weekend. Like okay. the, the first I heard of it was from from Bob Pockers. Okay, well, so. I mean, I mean, everyone has a price. I mean, obviously, when Chip Ganassi sold, he said it wasn't for sale. Although who knows, he might just be saying that for posture's sake. But like. I wonder, I mean, Bob Jenkins might say that it's not for sale, but you know, if someone, if Denny Hamlin comes to me and offers me a hundred million dollars to sell my team and just walk away completely, that's, that's something you have to at least think about. Right. Yeah. And like, like they're for, for front row, from front row motorsports perspective, they're, they'd be going out like on top really for, for what they're capable of doing. Um, right. So, so. Um, right. I mean, just given who they are, they're never going to contend for a championship. Like the 500 is their is their Super Bowl, and like they got it. I mean, like you said, that win alone makes them so much more valuable now. So maybe this is the time to cash out. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't, but regardless of what happens, McDowell needs a ride. You can't have the defending Daytona 500 winner not. And I hope it's not like Gaunt Brothers or something like that. No shame to them, but like it needs to be like a legitimate ride it would be funny if, if he did end up at 2311 with kurt bush and bubba wallace <laughs> what a weird that is that's, such that's, a weird like, dynamic <laughs> like, i just imagine you know bubba wallace you know you know looking all cool kurt um is it kurt or kyle bush it's kurt, kurt yeah kurt, 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 kurt bush, monster energy kurt. stuff with the monster yeah. girls yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so 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 hey so, so kurt bush hey you know kurt bush with the you know the backwards hat and the and the you know cool monster logos and everything and then michael mandel in the you know bringing it back here you know he's up there in some jorts and a polo shirt <laughs> just just, then, just just being the dad he is oh man and then and then michael jordan with his bad fashion are you guys aware of how poorly dressed michael jordan always is i mean i've seen jordan shoes so yes <laughs> no to you guys and whoever's listening just google michael jordan fashion and you will see just just how poorly that man can dress himself because it's a pure example of what happens when rich people have no taste um <laughs> you can say that about the former president but yeah it's it's great it's great uh it's it's, it's a it's a good chuckle right. without looking it up i'm gonna assume he looks like a 1980s comedian <laughs> just like like ultra baggy jeans like like super baggy jeans like mismatching colors mismatching patterns and he's not doing it to be like indie or hipster avant-garde he just dresses that way as a grown man he looks in the mirror and says hey <laughs> nope. I, that no, looks good no one ever you can do whatever he wants no one ever explained to him the steve job method jobs method to just have one like have like 30 of the same shirt and pants yeah. 
no one ever told him that. But again, like when you're Michael Jordan and you're worth a billion dollars, like what's what's someone going to say to you? Um, they're going to put on whatever you're wearing and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. All right. A- anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's over. Daniel's we're, never going to invite me back. We're, no, this has been fun. We're, we're, we're going to Michigan this weekend for the only time this year. Uh, our return to the two and a half, the, the two mile speedway uh, on the pole for this race will be Mr. Kyle Larson himself the man of the year so far chase elliott second ryan blaney third matt Benedetto, who's you know desperate desperate to make the playoffs to and put something on his resume that will get him a ride somewhere uh then you have martin truex jr in fifth um so kyle larson is going to be the favorite he, he he is basically three of his first four wins of his career came at michigan um and he's still hot this year um so that that's that that's my pick for now kyle larson who, who are you guys taking at michigan man like like how can you pick against larson right now or just really anyone at hendrick i mean that that whole team is just circling everybody this year and what's so weird is like last year kevin harvick this, this was a doubleheader last year he won them both right and yeah he like dominated both races did he not yeah, pretty much. And, and like this year, he's just been an afterthought. And like he's in real serious danger of not even making the playoffs if he doesn't win a race. If, if something, yeah, it, if yeah, we get another yeah. Eric Almarola yeah. situation, another Michael McDowell situation, he could be on the outside looking in, yeah. even though he hasn't technically even had that bad of a season. Where is he? Oh, he's had a he's had a bad season. Like he, I mean, he might he might have a good number of top tens, but he he's not leading. Like no, he he's not. Lead, no, he's like, not leading, and he's not winning races. But like in regular season points, he's ninth. So he's had a strong season in a very broad sense. Like we're even talking about it. Um, he's my, starting eight. He's starting eight. Okay. On, on Sunday. Um, I mean, how can so? Michigan's always kind of been of a wonky track to me, and especially with this package, and especially yeah. with the way Larson's been this year, and the way that he can just dominate on these mile and a half, two mile intermediate tracks. Well, um, like, well, that's the thing. Like, like there's hasn't there's not like an auto club race that preceded this. Like, right. there, there's this is the only two mile uh, speedway, however you want to call it. Um, like the closest thing you you got to it is uh, like Kansas and Las Vegas and Larson won Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, and he should have won Kansas. Um, but there was late restarts at the end and Kyle Busch came on top. Right. So, but so like just based off that, like, yeah, Larson. <laughs> Where, where's, where's Denny Hamlin starting? Ninth. Oh, man. I guess Larson. So here, whenever a driver starts to dominate or a general team starts to dominate the way that Larson and Hendrick do, I just hope for an interesting race. I just don't want this to be like what the Coca-Cola 600 was, where just right, <laughs> right from the get-go, right from the get-go, you know, it's the one guy who's got the best equipment and the best ride, and he just and he just destroys the rest of the field and just spoils the entire show. I just want a good race. I want this to be competitive, and I just want to see – even if Larson wins, I want there to be someone there that challenges him. I want there to be some sort of foil that he can race up against. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I want. Well, like, like, like McDowell said in that, in that clip, like, um, he, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a wild card. There's going to be wild restarts. They're, they're, so, so someone will do something desperately at some point in this race if there's a late restart. So, so here, here's what I'm thinking. All right. So first of all, I only – step back a little bit and say so Denny Hamlin 
made the playoffs in the most Denny Hamlin way possible, which is that AJ Allmendinger is not a full-time cup driver. So he, so he, so the scenario going in was that he was not locked in unless some, unless someone got that already won, had won, or he won. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what everyone was saying. And we forgot that there was one more thing, which is if someone is not eligible for the playoffs, then that will lock him in. AJ Elmendinger not eligible for the playoffs. Yeah. Therefore, because he won, Denny Hamlin is now locked into the playoffs. This is the weird sideways rule things that is just defined, especially this year, Danny Hamlin. So now that he's locked into the playoffs, maybe he'll actually try to win a race <laughs> and not just stick to the fundamentals. <laughs> I looked up, I pulled up Danny Hamlin's Michigan results. Last he's time won, he won a race he, here was yeah, 10 he, years ago. Yeah, yeah, he's won there so, twice. So yeah. I'm hoping... I'm hoping that the the combination of the fire from getting dumped um, in Indy and the uh, and the lack of pressure to maintain a spot in the playoffs will get him to actually race his car a little <laughs> bit harder and get that win. And he also is now second in, in points, right? Yes. In, yes. Yeah. Yeah. As of this week weekend yeah he has finally lost the points lead for the first time since the second race of the year mcdowell led the points after the 500 but after that it was hamlin all the way up until this last weekend when they were him and larson were tied and now it's yeah. just larson exclusively just for, just so i'll go on record as picking a driver uh mr crow picked hamlin you know i'll go with the other guy who's by and large had a strong year in a general sense but hasn't won i'll pick harvick all he's, right he's starting he said he's starting what eighth yeah, uh, yeah he Harvick, can, he can, Harvick's eighth, Hamlin's ninth. Yeah, Harvick can win that race from eighth if his car is good enough. So who knows? I know Stuart Haas has not had a great year, but mm -mm. you never know. I'll just go on record. I don't expect him to win. I, 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 I think people to watch out for, um, you have Chris Buescher starting 11th. And uh, similarly, the third race of the year at Homestead, which is also its own unique track, a 550 track. You don't go to any other track like that. He started in that same kind of area and just – came up in the field and just took the took the lead outright. Um, I think he it conceivably in Jack Grouse's backyard show show up. Um, and then you have Bubba Wallace starting 15th, but he's also in the Xfinity race on Saturday uh, in the number 61 for Hattori Racing. So that's his first Xfinity race in about four years. And the last time he won in NASCAR was 2017 at Michigan in a truck. So he he will have more experience on that on that track this weekend than everyone else. So those are my guys to watch out for. Also, I'll just mention Reddick and Austin Dillon just because of the playoff cut line and everything going on with them. Uh, I mean, you got two races. It's only two races left, right? Yep. It's, it's this and Daytona. Yep. And I mean Daytona. That that race is always a crapshoot because there's always one or two big ones, and you never know how that race is going to turn out. I mean, look at Michael McDowell winning the 500. No one picked that. Um, there's so many things that could happen. If you just want to make Daytona a thing you don't have to worry about and just put on the back burner and just make it a race for fun, win at Michigan, and then that solves everything. So certainly that includes guys like Kurt Busch and other guys who are also close to that cut line that could possibly – through Kurt some Bush, happenstance. Kurt Busch is already in. He won. He won. Yeah, he won. Okay, I yeah. apologize, but he wasn't at cut line in anyone. He just won recently, didn't he? Yeah, Atlanta. 
Atlanta. Atlanta, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. See, okay. For the listener, I'm in law school and I work, and, and I work full time. So I work during the day and I go to class at night and I do homeworks on the weekend. So I've, I, I've lost. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I'm not a reporter like McFadden is. So I don't stay up on it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. So, yeah. I'll just throw, I'll throw in, I'll throw in um, Dylan, Dylan and Reddick for sure. Okay. All right. So, all right. I took Larson, you took Hamlin Crow, and John took Harvick. You said Harvick, right? Harvick. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm hoping I'm watch hoping Matt for... Benedetto win. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Daniel, Daniel, I am I don't know the names of the broadcasters, but the really excitable one kept referring to him as Maddie B, and I felt very validated. Maddie B? Yes. Oh, because of the B in Benedetto. Yeah. Maddie B. B. Is it Jim? Wait, 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 he said Maddie D. I yeah. don't know. I, it, oh, it, everyone calls so... Maddie D. I yeah. don't. Well, yeah, Daniel is so it Daniel is so it's just a nickname. That. Maddie B. It's fun. I don't call people by their, like, people who call William Byron Willie B. It's like, why, why would you call anyone Willie B? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Call him, you gotta call him Bri Bri. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I, yeah. I, what sucks is that we, we, we do, we, we, we have departed the age of cool racing nicknames. Um, they're, they're really, yeah, there's nothing like the, the, the intimidator. The it's, Rainbow Warriors. It's yeah. The, the the 90s were the peak for nicknames for people. I think the um, last that, one that had a good one was just Earnhardt or Little Lee. That's not even like a nickname. That's more is it? That's not even a nickname. It's just a play on his name. That's not so, it sounds like a cartoon spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> Little Lee's wacky racers this Sunday on Fox. And then, then there was Daryl Waltrip's nickname for him, like Junebug, which I never understood. Uh. I never understood. Where did that come from? What does it mean? I don't want to know what it means. So, and they also called him the Pied Piper because of the restrictor play races. Um, <sighs> like there's, so there's really, and then you have Kevin Harvick who has like five different nicknames. Um, Happy, uh, El, El Toro. <laughs> Uh, the closer. It's like, can we just Does, pick one? Doesn't Chastain have one because of the watermelon thing, or is it just like the watermelon man? That's the melon, really, the, the melon man. The melon man. See, that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the best nickname was Tony Stewart and Smoke. Smoke yeah, it's, yeah, smoke okay, yes, smoke. yeah. Smoke what? Smoke. Yeah. He just sounds it. like somebody that shows up, wins a race, and leaves, and you don't even know who he is. <laughs> and, then he t- and then he takes your girlfriend with him. And you just never see her again. You, like, you, you, even, know, you even know she's gone, and you're happy yeah, like, about it too. That's the thing. You're happy about it. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I was dating a girl worthy of smoke. And then you wear that as a badge of honor. Anyways. I'm ruining your show, McFadden. What else do you want to get to? Oh, this is awesome. This is this has been this has been a ton of fun. Great. So we we, we might have to bring you bring you back. So. If my schedule will allow for it, sure. <laughs> but no, this has been this has been great. So John, uh where can our listeners follow you? Where can they find your, your stuff? Uh, if they want to follow me, uh, my Twitter and Instagram handles are the same thing. It's John Law Filet, J-O-N-L-A-W-F-I-L-E-T. Uh, I think Daniel can link it in the info somewhere. Mr. Crow can link it in the info somewhere. Uh, I don't tweet much anymore because I'm not a reporter. Uh, Instagram, uh, it's all about my dog and my cats. Uh, my dog's name is Josie, so my pets are Josie and the Pussycats. Um, if you want to follow their wonderful exploits, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I got also- to plug. Also, oh, you have something to plug here, here in the next week. You're doing a performance. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're very kind. It's very kind to let me have this space for your show. Yes. If you live in Indianapolis, 
or anywhere in the in the central Indiana area. I'm in a Fountains of Wayne cover band. They were the band that did Stacy's Mom like 15 years ago. Um, yes, they were a one-hit wonder, but they were also a very beloved cult band that had a very successful career outside of that song. Um, their principal songwriter, Adam Schlesinger, passed away from uh, COVID-19 last year. And so me and some friends of mine got together and we were doing a Fountains of Wayne tribute set where we were playing songs that Adam Schlesinger wrote for Fountains of Wayne and some other songs that he wrote. He wrote That Thing You Do for the movies back in the 90s. He wrote a song for the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Uh, if you've watched the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, he wrote like half the songs on that and won some oh, Emmys for it. Oh. Yes, yes. Uh, he won some Emmys for that. He was a very decorated songwriter and his passing was uh, a very big tragedy for me. So I just wanted to do something to honor his life and his music. So that will be August 27th at the Melody Inn. Uh, it's five bucks. Uh, doors open at nine. Music starts at 10. Come out and see us. It's a Friday night. What's Good the name music. of your cover band? Uh, Utopia Parkway. Uh, it's the name of the second Fountains of Wayne record. Uh, they also have a song called Utopia Parkway. And we play the song Utopia Parkway. We have a classic rock moment like Bad Company had the record Bad Company and the song Bad Company. So <laughs> I, I, believe, I think it was this morning that um, I want to sink to the bottom with you came on my Spotify. Oh, uh, what a banger. Uh, that was uh, the second That was the second Fountains of Wayne song I ever heard after Stacey's mom. And I was like, these guys f***ing rule. Uh, great. Can I cuss? My love cuss. I mean, it just makes but, more work for me. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no! I wish I would have known. It was no, what's fu- what's funny, John, is people usually ask at the beginning of an episode, "Can I cuss here?" I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I, I, you should have told me, McFadden. You're the host. I'm sorry, Mr. Snow. I didn't mean to make make your life harder. I'll know, I'll know for next time. Just 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 just, just believe it out. I swear Come when I get please. excitable. So. And you're very excitable. Very excitable. So, so I swear funny. constantly. I just have to store it up for after we stop recording. Okay. As soon as as soon as I log off, it's just it's just a stream. <laughs> So anyway, you, you can follow John at all those places he just listed. Uh, you can follow follow Crow at DTH Crow on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Daniel McFadden. Follow, follow us. I'm going to follow Mr. Crow right now. DTH Crow. Yeah. Uh, follow follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Daniel McFadden. And uh, follow, find my work on friendstretch.com. Uh, so yeah, that I'll, that's, that's it for this episode. I'll... Next week, I will be going to Daytona to cover the Daytona for the very first time. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate and subscribe and all that good stuff. Um, and, John, don't forget to, to tell all your friends and family about this podcast. Yeah, for sure. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. It was nice to get out of my law school bubble and talk about uh, some things that I actually enjoy besides Supreme Court case law. So, this was fun. <laughs> uh, if you want me to come back on, I'll be happy to come back on if I could fit my schedule. Uh, Mr. Crow, I'll be mindful not to swear so much next time to make your life easier. Well, you, you, well you, you, only, you only cursed once and then you did the, the thumb up. And cool. Whole, you did the whole thing. Got it. Yeah. So. <laughs> the whole incident. The great whole incident of 2021. No, this is fun. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. Much love. All right. Th- thank you guys for listening. This has been Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. Have a great day.